Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Um, okay, you guys have proved me wrong. I don't know if, you, if you're here last week, what I said, which is true statistically, that Father's Day is, is statistically one of the least attended Sundays of the month. But you guys are changing that. I love it. You guys are here. You show up. Thanks. So thank you for coming out and, and uh, blessing the fathers. Yeah, I hope you're able to say hello to your fathers and, and, and give them a big blessing. Um, I, I, I want to I qualify this, this message this morning. And, and if, if you've lost a father and they're not here, you know, these are hard messages. If you have a father that maybe left and you never knew or someone who's not so kind, maybe there's a divorce, maybe there, I, I just, I want to qualify that some of the things I want to talk about are, are what God wants for fathers. But I, I don't want to um, not be sensitive to the way the world works today. And ultimately, as I say that, I want you to know that, that the God of this Bible is the Father. And, and, and however you've been hurt by your father, however you've been, may have been, had a difficult father or not known your father, here's what I know. The, the, the God of this Bible is a loving father. And he wants you to be healed. Um, and that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, where's Jim today? Did he, where is he? He's over here. He keeps moving seats on me. Oh, what are you doing there? He's like, you know, he's like, gosh, you told me not to, but I, I want to say thank you. You're an incredible father. You have, because of you, I, I have this woman. I'm doing what I'm doing. Thank you. And your wife was a little better, but you're good, uh, you know. <laughs> he knows that. I'm not telling anything anybody. I'm not telling anything any of you guys don't know. But you're an amazing man. Thank you, Dad. I love you. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, Father's Day. Uh, there was a, a father and son that went on a, a fishing trip. And uh, they came home. And when they came home... The father was talking to one of his good buddies, and consequently the, the son was talking to one of his buddies at the same time, and the father was talking to his buddy, and his buddy said, hey, how did the fishing trip go? And the father said, it was miserable. It was terrible. The sun was out. We forgot the sunscreen. We get there. We had trouble launching the boat, and everything fell out of the boat, and we had to regroup, and then once we threw the lines, and we were crossing our lines, and he would throw his line across mine, and then we didn't catch any fish. And we sat out there all day, got sunburned, and didn't catch any fish. Consequently, as I said, the son was talking to his friend, and his friend said to him, how was the fishing trip? And the son said, greatest day of my life. I was with dad. Fathers matter. I don't care what the world tells you. Dads matter. 
uh, let me give you, I'm going to show you some by the numbers, okay? Just some statistics that, that we have. So father, the word father occurs 1,255 times in this word. Mother, 320 times in 295 verses in the NIV. Let me qualify something again. Moms, this is dad's day. Don't get all mad because I'm talking about how great moms are or dads are. Uh, you had your day a couple weeks ago, okay? I talked about how great you were several weeks ago, so let's just, okay. <laughs> True? By the numbers. Rather than obscure, this, this crazy study the Swiss government did a, a little while back, 94, it says this. This is what they came out with. If both father and mother attended church regularly, 33% of their children would end up being regular church growers, goers, and 41% would end up being attending there regularly, like twice a month. You guys heard of that. Okay, so that was so funny, and they didn't laugh. You told me not to say it, and I did it anyways. I should have listened to you. Only 25% of their children ended up not practicing at all. Both mom and dad go to church. If father, if the father is irregular and the mother regular, only 3% of the children will subsequently become regular themselves. Wow. While further, a further 49% will be irregular and 38% will be completely lost. That's if fathers kind of come and go and mothers go regularly. If father is a non-practicing mother regular, only 2% of the children will become regular worshipers, and 37 will, be, uh, will attend irregularly. Over 60% of the children, if father's not practicing, not coming to church at all, just the mother, over 60% of the children will be lost completely to the church. Don't tell me that dads don't matter. Don't tell me that fathers don't matter. Let's look at it the other way. Let's just flip it upside down and, and see what it, what it looks like. What happens is the father's a regular attender and the mother's irregular and not practicing. Well, this is what we see. The percentages of children becoming regular goes up from 33 to 38% with an irregular mother and to 44% with non-practicing. And that's an interesting correlation because it's as if the father is not committed, the kids and the, or the mother's not committed and the father's more committed, the kids become more committed, which is odd. In short... If the father does not go to church, no matter how faithful the wife is, the woman is, no matter how faithful, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If the father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between 66 and 75% of their children will become churchgoers, regular or irregular. Those statistics are crazy. What has been said about fathers in American history? Throughout history, here's what Mike Mark Twain, I love this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. So true. Maybe 24, 25 nowadays, though. Harmon Killebrew, the, the Hall of Fame baseball player, love this. My father used to play with my brothers and me in the yard. Mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. And his father would say, we're not raising grass. Dad would reply, we're raising boys. I, I had, uh, and, and I read this, so it's not original, but I had someone come up to me once and go, how can you spend so much money on club soccer or club hockey and all this money and stuff? And I said, you know, to, to play hockey, they're not going to be professionals. And I said, I don't pay them to be professionals. I pay them to learn how to be a young man and a young woman. 
I'm paying for them to learn how to compete. I'm, I'm paying for them to learn how to be citizens, adults, not to win Stanley Cups, although that would be nice. <laughs> Sigmund Freud, I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection. Frederick Douglass, I love this. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Gosh, don't tell me fathers aren't important. Don't tell me fathers aren't important. What is being said about fathers in America culture today? Let me qualify again. Well, let me just read it and then I'll qualify. Men don't matter in children's lives. Men are being portrayed as idiots. Simpsons, married with children, all those things. Men can only be good fathers if they act like women. If they're compassionate and nice and kind. Mara Iverson said this. If a child asks you about someone's gender, don't assume to pretend or you know. Use thoughtful and gender-neutral pro pronouns or neutral language such as they, them, pronouns to let your child know that until a person self-identifies, you can't be sure. That's absolute crap. We need to look at men who are fathers and call them what they are, fathers. We need to look at men and call them what they are, men. We need examples of strong, compassionate, godly men that love well, that aren't, aren't so self-consumed, that know who they are. That's what we need. Yet the world is saying this. God bless this, this young girl, 11-year-old girl, talking about her trans father. If someone asks me, is that your dad? I say, yep, that's my parent. So I'm correcting them without being weird, she says. It makes me feel really good when my friends and teachers get it right, though, because I don't even think of my parents as trans. They're just my parents, and this is how the family works. We're just a regular family. Culture. But we have hope. We have hope. What's the here's a different group of kids and what they're saying about fathers in today, this culture. They're saying things like this. A father sets an, the, the example and provides. A father practices unconditional love. A father tells his children what they can achieve if they work hard. A father lifts up and protects the family. These are young people that have said this. A father's children's relationship with God will be heavenly, or heavily influenced by their relationship with their fathers. There's hope. There's hope, but hope doesn't just come out of thin air. Hope comes out of this word. Hope comes out of knowing the Father. Hope comes out of knowing who God is, who's shown him, who has shown himself as a father. Hope comes out of knowing who you are as a man or a woman. And the world wants to do this. You don't have to know. You can be whatever you want to be. It's a complete lie. I am, I am thrilled to be a father. I'm not a great father. I'm a good father. I have good days. I have bad days. I, am a, I, you know, I, I know that my children have trouble at times reconciling this father that stands up here as a, as a man and preaches to you. 
And the guy that they see in their home that yells and screams and maybe loses it once in a while, and I mean, I've never yelled at Chris, of course, but, but when she yells at me, they're like, Dad. <laughs> what does the Word of God say about fathers, more importantly? What, is, what does this Word say about fathers? You see, we've been talking about culture, and we've been talking about um, this world and what's going on, and, and, and one of the... The, the just critical stances that we have to take as, as men and women, as families, is this simple stance that fathers are in that fathers. That there's a need. And it's important. I'm uh, getting ready to be a grandfather again for the second time to TJ and Lily in the next couple weeks. And, and I, there, there's something about watching your boys become fathers. Now, McKenna, she kicked butt. She, like, mother, like, 18, she's juggling babies and going to school and, and, and you know, and, and raising a kid and just, like, un- unbelievable job that she has done as a young woman. And, Luke, you, you hit the lottery. Good for you. Because <laughs> you get to be my son-in-law. Oh, and you're married to her. But I, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch this young man, this woman, watch him specifically become a father. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch Jack and, and, and Hudson someday be the fathers that I know that they will absolutely be. So what does the Word of God say about fathers? Number one, and this goes to our point when talking about trying to redefine. A father affirms... Uh, affirmation directs his children into their purpose. Your affirmation as dad directs children in their purpose. I'm going to pause again. The Holy Spirit said, there are people in here who are not fathers yet. Or maybe they won't be. That does not mean that you're not to be a spiritual father. Did you hear me? There are people in here that aren't fathers, that are called to be spiritual fathers, that are called to pour into young men that maybe don't have a father. They're called to stand with them, okay? So just so we know. When we talk about natural father and there are spiritual fathers, the principles apply to both. A father's affirmation uh, directs directs his children into their purpose. How do I know this? Because we see this in Matthew 3. And God and the heavens parted as Jesus had been, been baptized and he hadn't started his ministry yet. He had been 30 years of of doing what he was doing, but here's the moment, and it says this, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Do you know how important those words are? If you didn't have a father in your home, if you struggled with your father, the yearning of young men and young women is to hear their father say to them, my son, I'm well pleased. The yearning of a child is this, that they would be identified, and you're identified by the father and the mother, hang tight women, but by the father saying things like, my son, my daughter. It tells them who they are. It affirms their their, their purpose and who they are. Now you want to take it to another level? My daughter, my son, I'm so pleased. And, And God kicks off the ministry of his son Jesus by saying, my son, a declaration to everybody that was watching, this is my son. Have you ever sat in a crowd? This is something that fathers need to do. They need to go, that's my son, that's my daughter, and affirm it in front of others. 
Not only that, I'm pleased. Last week we had a, 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 a graduation party for Georgia and Hudson and, and kind of McKenna, but that was kind of lame. Sorry. Um, we had this graduate. She graduated a month ago. So, um, but 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 what we did in that time is we had some families, close families, with us. Is and Chris was driving this because I was just busy eating. But she said we had this time of affirmation. We all sat around and we just said, say something about them. Affirming them. Something happens when you speak life over somebody. They change. It's what Chris was talking about. Don't, 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 those words that we say, don't attach yourself, you know, to depression or all those things. I'm not saying it's not real. Just hear me. But, but don't agree with those things. And there's something when you speak life over someone that, that helps them to rise up and out of whatever they may be going through. And God said, this is my son, and I'm well pleased. And for some of us fathers, you need to look at your son or daughter, and what they need to hear is this. Hey, son. Hey, daughter. I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. Number two, a father understands time and words. He understands time. He has an understanding of time and words. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, the Shema, it's Jewish tradition, and it, it says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What does that mean? A father understands time and words. What it means is this. It doesn't mean just when you're in church you speak about God and who he is. It means this, when you sit down to dinner and you, you pray and you bless the food, at least go there, outside of that you talk more about who he is. Not only do you talk about who he is, but they should see who he is through you as the father. The greatest representation of God the father is the natural father. Now, it's, a, it's, a, it's broken in many ways because we have natural fathers that haven't stepped up to be the men that God has called them to be. But, but the natural father is the greatest picture of who God is. And everything that you do, men, everything that you speak, men, when you're around your sons and daughters, you're, you're giving a picture, an example of who God is. Critical. So important. Number three, a father doesn't believe the big lie. Now, this is a church lie, Okay? This is the lie that the church tells, because I believed it. It's not true. But a father who's secure doesn't believe the big lie. Here's the lie. Proverbs 22.6. Now, 22.6 is not the lie. How we apply 22.6 is the lie. Just to be clear again, i got to clarify a lot of things these days. You guys can leave here and call me a heretic. Don't do it, please. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's, that's an incredible promise. Now, we came out of a ministry. You were there, so I blame you too. Okay? Uh, you're on stage, so you're part of it. But we came out of this ministry that, that had these perceived families that everything was perfect. I mean, the kids were on the front row taking copious notes. I didn't use that word in a long time. But they were right there. I mean, hair tight, everything perfect. It was happening. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. But until it wasn't. 
And they would tell us things as parents. They say, train up your child in the way they should go and they should never depart. And we thought, okay, cool. We'll train up our child and we'll read Bible stories to them and we'll go to church with them and all these things. The next thing you know, McKenna's pregnant in high school. She, don't, don't start judging. We have this, yeah. What, I thought if we train up a child in the way they should go. I mean, there's times when my kids, I didn't ask if I could talk about this. Sorry. There's times with each one of my kids, to a T, each one, other than Georgia. <laughs> she hasn't done this. I said, I don't believe in God. And, 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 and we go, okay. I'm going to have to believe in God. You're still coming to church because that's what we do as a family. But I, I'm not going to make my God in the relationship I have yours. And I prayed that, that they would see us and they'd experience something. They'd have this encounter. And this woman had this encounter with God. And it, it, I, after she has this baby and just God does an unbelievable work in her life. And she is the most incredible mother, wife, daughter today. See, see, they told me if I raise my children the way they should go, they're, they're never going to go into the Squirrelyville. They're, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to have those things where, where you know, you, you, you run away at 15 and take the car without any insurance or driver's license, drive to Malibu for four days. They didn't tell me those things. They told me. Gosh, TJ. Um, they, oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. It just kind of came out. They, they didn't tell me after, uh, after Hudson, you know, was mad, I'm not coming to church, and then calls me, you know, while he's playing hockey and he got a concussion, Dad, will you pray for me? I said, you don't believe in God? Why would I pray for you? They don't, they don't tell me those things were going to happen. Gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm throwing everybody under the bus today. To which Eddie goes, oh, Dad, you know I, uh, yes. See, here's my encouragement, family. Is sometimes there's gaps. And you can preach the gospel to your kids, and you can love your kids well, and you can take them to church, and you can pray for them every night, and you can read with them every night, and you can sing songs with them every night, and you can say prayers before dinner and after dinner and during dinner and whenever else, and, and they just go kind of a different way. But this scripture is true. It comes full circle. I don't know when. But it comes full circle. I've watched each of my kids. I've watched Jack and McKenna, TJ and Hudson. Georgia, just, you're good right there. And Georgia said, I've watched God do just miracle after miracle. Be encouraged. But don't be surprised talked about the study a million times. Barna did. He said, look, it, it, families who, when their kids question God, don't freak out and just go, that's all right. And say things like, you're still coming to church because that's what we do. But hey, you, you, don't, you don't believe in the same God I believe in. Families who allow their children that space to do it, it says, they come back to the face at a rate, in college at a rate of like 76%. Families go, no, you're going to believe in God. And they you know, shake them and stuff and, you know, and scare the hell out of them or try to, you know. That's, that's like under 30% end up back in church. I don't want my kids to have my faith. I want them to have their faith. 
I want them to encounter Jesus that saved me. I want them to encounter that same Jesus. Number four. A father, a father, fathers trains with patience. I don't know, that doesn't really make sense, but you'll get it when I, yes. There's no S in there. There was this morning at four, though. There's a big S. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, and, and I'm not good at this one. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And my wife would constantly tell me, stop provoking your children. Stop. I'm just a poker. I'm a sarcastic poker. And I just, I get in there sometimes and I, you know, I just, it's, it's probably not right. It isn't right. The Bible says, do not provoke your children. Okay. Don't provoke your children to anger, but there's so much fun at times to so just provoke a little bit. <laughs> But don't do that. He says, but bring him up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. What does discipline mean? It means that, that, that you actually have boundaries. Spare the rod, spoil the child. So he's spanked out of love. Most of the time. Gosh, we're so not perfect. We're so not perfect. Number five, a father fights for his family. A father fights for his family. A father takes stands and says, no, not in my house. A father fights for his family. Nehemiah 4.14 says this, and I looked and arose and he said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Men, we need to stand up and fight. If there's something in your home that doesn't need to be there, if there's something in your home that doesn't need to be happening, you need to take a stand and fight. It's our job. We're the gatekeepers. We are the entrance into our home. We're the ones who say, yes, you can come in, or no, you cannot come in. And for some of us, we need to kick some of this stuff out. And we need to take a stand in our families. And we wonder why things are a little south. They're not going the way they should. Because men, we are not guardians of our front door. And I haven't been great at it. I'm not an expert at it. But I know enough to know that I am called to fight this fight. To be the man that God has called me to be. And you know what? Forget the emasculating of the American male. Forget everybody taking the hug and no guns. I am so sick of it. Gosh, where'd that come from? My children, your children need to see that you're willing to fight for them. A father provides. That, what does that mean? Just get a job. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. I just thought it was funny. A, a father provides. Look what 1 Timothy 5.8 says. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let me qualify. We're in some difficult times, and some people may go, I, I can't find a job. I can't, I'm working trying to find a job. Okay, you know what? That's why the church is here to help you, to stand with you, to maybe help you financially, to help you into a job, whatever it is. That's why we're here. I don't know if you know that. The church is to do that. It's not the government's job. Now, the government will take what they'll give if they're giving it. Okay, I get it. But the church is supposed to stand with and help. 
That's our job. But get a job. Do what you have to do. I mean, Connor, I didn't ask. I don't know if I can, can, can I go? I'm just like so bad today. I'm sorry. I'm calling everybody. But I have so much respect for this man. At one point, he's working three jobs. Why? Because he's taking care of his family. And he knows the promises of God, which are yes and amen. And I don't mean that in a hyper, uh, uh, you know, uh, charismatic way. What I mean is this. As God, as I watch this man and his faithfulness to just take care of his family, I watch God just start to bless and open doors. And he knows that. But there are seasons where you just got to do what you got to do. There are seasons you just, maybe you have to have two or three jobs. Maybe there's a season you got to do what you don't want to do. But you do what you don't want to do because there are kids and there's a wife that you said I do to and committed to that you need to now step up and be a man for. See, that, that's, those are the men that built this nation. Those are the men that God has called us to be. Number seven. A father walks in the ways of God. A father walks in the ways of God. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. This, this, this word, as a father, this word is, 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 is everything. It, it is what you stand on. It is what you go to. It is what you, you, you rely on, the truth of this word. If anybody was here last week, the second part of that is this word and other men. And when you stand with other men on this word and you don't let these words depart from your mouth, you'll be the father that God has called you to. I, yeah, quantify, clarify, whatever you want to I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. Don't always do it. Not the greatest at it. See, here's life lesson. You didn't ask for this and you didn't pay for it, so just stay here. <laughs> life is, is this. Two step forwards in my relationship with God. One step back. Four step forwards in my relationship with God. Two steps back. Six steps forwards in my relation. Seven steps back. Four steps forward. Two back. You know what that looks like? It's like this. Look, nothing goes straight up. See, but there's this thing called sanctification of becoming more like God, and it looks like this. It's, 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 it's healthy. Because in all these little down, you start to examine your life, and you go, what does my life look like? It's good. Self-examination is good. I'm, I'm in one of these times right now. I'm trying to figure out what, what yeah, I'm working two jobs, and, and she's mean to me. I don't know what to, I'm in this self-reflection right now myself. 
asking God, what, what do you have? What does this look like? But I don't want his word to depart from me. I don't want to walk outside this word. Number eight, a father, father's worships. Gosh, it, <laughs> serious. I went to bed at eight, too. I went to bed at eight o'clock, did I not? I'm like, I'm going to bed early. I'm going to good, good night's sleep so I can spell tomorrow. Or conjugate, or what is that? What would that be called? What is that? Miss Blair, what is that when I miss? What would you say to your student in, in, at school? It's just, she would just say it's a mess. Okay, so, gosh, a father's worships. We're going with it. And I had five cups of coffee before, like, six. This is, is, is huge. Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we'll worship the Lord. What does that look like? It looks different in different contexts and different families and different, it, it looks different. But, but when a father declares this, when a father says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Here's what I know that I know that I know. You can get through anything. The most difficult of difficult situations. The loudest babies crying during preach. You can get through it. I love when I can get Ryan going back there. I can do it. What are you doing to that kid back there? Ryan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Rick Warren wouldn't be doing this right now. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't, here's what's interesting. It doesn't say, we'll have it all together. It doesn't say, hey, we're going to be perfect in this. It doesn't say, you know, we're not going to mess up here, mess up here, mess up there. What it says is this. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And sometimes that service doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. And sometimes those parents, that father, doesn't look like what he's supposed to look like. But you keep coming back to this place, the centering, which is the Word of God. And when you mess up real bad, which has happened a few times for Chris, but we're working on it. When that happens, you jump back to this place and you get on your hands and knees and go, Oh God, have mercy. And you try to adjust. As for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. Number nine, and I, I left this last because it's so important, is a father loves his wife. I, you know, we counsel, we meet with a lot of people, and there's, and you go, oh, that sounds pretty obvious. Not so obvious. A father loves his wife. Ephesians 5.25, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave herself up for uh, her. Right before that, it's the verse where it says, women, submit to your husband. And everybody gets all up in arms. Submit to your husband, submit to your husband. But they, they stop there and they don't read on. Because here as you read on, it says, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did he do for the church? He died. In other words, it, you could reword it and say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died for her. In other words, men, 
You are to die for the woman. Lay down your life for the woman that he's called you to be married with, too. He's called you to lay down your life for her. That's much more difficult than submitting. Dying is more difficult than submitting. Would you not agree? I've told this a million times, so I'll, I'll say it again. This, this is what my children need to see. When we sit at the dinner table time and time again, I would tell my children, I love this woman more than I love any of you. You, know, you remember my patent the line? Then they'd go, well, who do you love after her? And I said, <laughs> and I'd say, depends on what day it is. <laughs> what my children need to see is me love one woman for the rest of my life. Sometimes I don't do it well. Sometimes it's just, it looks nothing like love should look. I keep coming back. I keep coming back. You know what my children need to see? That I keep coming back. They need to see me love her more than they need to see me love them. Because there's a security that happens in the way that God created husband and wife, the two becoming one. There's a security that happens that when children see this, and that they have the security that this isn't going anywhere, they, they breathe a little easier. There's a little less pressure. Doesn't mean it's not difficult. But husbands, you need to die, lay down your life for your wife. That's what a father does. That's what a father does. So how does a father do all this? It's like, ah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> How do you do it regularly and well? Huh, you ever seen this? How do you do it regularly? How do you do it well? You read your word. You pray. You encounter Jesus every day. You worship. You turn off whatever news, whatever you listen to, sports radio. And you put on and, and you worship. And you do it each and every day. Each and every day. You want to be the father? You want to be the mother? You want to be the, the, the man or woman of God that he's called you to be? You read his word. You encounter him. You worship and you pray each day. And you know what that looks like? It looks like a relationship. Not religion. It looks like a relationship. And that's what God wants. He wants a relationship. And he wants to, you to lead men out of relationship. That's what he's called us to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. For these fathers and men who are here today, Lord, I just thank you for them and pray a blessing over them. God, I, I pray if there's anyone here that didn't have a good example of a father that, Lord, that you'd bring healing. God, if there's anybody in here that hasn't forgiven their father because of something they may have done, God, God I pray that uh, today that they would, they would choose to forgive. That today, Father, that you'd bring 
healing in the hearts of men and women whose father wasn't as you meant them to be. God, I thank you that you love unconditionally. And that you love us unconditionally. God, I pray for healing in the hearts of men and women this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be a father. God, help me as a father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, is this on? Uh, I just felt in my heart, I want to pray. Would you guys all like extend a hand? I want to pray for all the fathers that need to come to the church. Uh, I just, I really feel like there's a lot of dads that need to be included. And there's a lot of dads that need to be called back. So just join me. Father, I ask that you would just touch all the men's hearts, God. Just please uh, bring them back to the church, God. I ask that you do a work, that you call them, that you put a conviction on them. And I just thank you for the work that you've done through the women in the homes, God, the, the reflection example that, that they bear to their husbands. God, I ask that you call the men to the church and you just do a work, God, and you grow them today and call them back.